I'm Deacon Frederick Bartels. In yesterday's Gospel for Monday of the seventh week in Ordinary Time, we heard the story about a boy who was possessed with an unclean, mute spirit since his childhood. His father comes to the Lord Jesus and asks him to do something about it. Jesus, of course, drives the evil spirit from him and cures the boy. Although the Bible gives us many examples of demons, devils, infesting people, possessing them and wreaking havoc in their lives, many people today disbelieve in the devil and his evil cohorts, the demons. A recent CARA study, Center for Applied Research in the Apostolate, found that close to 70% of Catholics no longer believe in the devil, or at least hold some kind of diminished view of him. There's no reason to think it's any different with Protestants. People often think the devil is merely a word used to describe some kind of abstract, dark force in the world, like the dark side of the force in the Star Wars movies. Perhaps they think talk of Satan is just another way of talking about the bad effects of the bad choices men make. They can't imagine that a living, personal, spiritual being of diabolical intent and extreme deviousness could be behind the structures of evil we find in postmodern society. This lack of belief is something Satan and his slave demons rejoice over, if anything like rejoicing is possible for fallen angels. Why? Because it gives them all the more power in people's lives. There's hardly a greater advantage than to be able to implement his dastardly plans unnoticed because people refuse to notice him. It's like leaving your front door open to the most heinous of criminals and, when they stream into your living room, refusing to believe there could be any such people wishing to do you any harm. The inspired Word of God is clear on the matter. Satan exists, demons exist, and they are a threat. It's a truth of the Catholic and Christian faith that Satan and his cohorts are fallen angels, cast from heaven due to their refusal to serve God. What are these fallen angels like? They are personal, spiritual, which is to say non-corporeal and non-physical, beings possessing an intelligence that far exceeds that of man. Additionally, their wills do not vacillate back and forth as do ours, first choosing something and then later deciding against it. Because of their powers of intellect and will, their rejection of God is permanent. They cannot be saved because they never ask to be saved. For them, repentance would be like asking them to kill themselves. Their choice against Christ is irrevocable. You might say they're stubborn to the ultimate extreme. Let's just call these fallen angels devils. Devils hate men. Their aim is to see every man lose his soul in hell in eternal damnation. That's their personal project. That's the focus of their will. And it's not going to change. Jesus called Satan a murderer and a liar. In fact, he called him the father of lies. Devils cannot be trusted, not ever. They are devious and highly intelligent. They will go to any end to deceive and to ruin. They're well adept at coordinating evil and engaging in grand diabolical plans. Devils are behind wars, the Holocaust, abortion, euthanasia, hate, crime, and every treachery. 
That's not to say men are not involved or do not freely choose these evils, but it is to say that devils are behind the scenes doing what they can to orchestrate disaster. Devils can influence people in a number of ways. People can experience their influences through demonic possession, obsession and oppression, and infestation, which are all extraordinary ways in which devils act on people. It would take too long to get into all of these, but the Bible often gives examples of possession. Possession is rare, but that doesn't mean it's non-existent. It's not a question of if it happens, it's a question of how often it happens. When people are possessed, devils take some level of control over their physical body, as in the case of the boy in our gospel. The mute spirit threw him down, made him foam at the mouth, grind his teeth, and tried to kill him by throwing him into fire and water. This is an example of possession manifesting in a way that appears to be an epileptic seizure. Biblically speaking, possession can manifest in illnesses, self-inflicted injuries, and seizures. When people are possessed, devils will often use their bodies much like puppets, moving them against a person's will. Sometimes demons take control of a person's vocal cords and use them to speak in a language unknown to the person, curse, and lie. Priests who are mandated exorcists are familiar with this phenomenon. The most common way in which devils influence people is through temptation. Temptation is the ordinary means devils use to work their devious plans. The reason they prefer temptation is because it allows them to hold some evil choice up to a person, serving it up on a golden platter, so to speak, making it seem like something good to do. However, it's not. Should the person assent to a particular temptation, knowing it's wrong and deliberately choosing it, he becomes culpable before God for his evil choice. As human persons created with the gift of freedom, we are moral agents. We have the power to do this or that, choosing good or evil. We are responsible before Christ for the moral choices we make. Temptation is the devil's tool of destruction for mankind. In giving in to temptation, man chooses evil for himself. If man commits mortal sin and dies unrepentant, he merits eternal damnation. And in that, the devil smiles. Temptation does not always come from devils. There are three sources of temptation, the flesh, the world, and the devil. As our Lord said, out of man's heart comes evil. Sometimes temptations are all our own. The world, for its part, offers a nearly endless list of them. We're all familiar with the evils in the world. If you're one of those Catholics or other Christians who disbelieve in the devil, you can be sure he's involved in your life, working behind the scenes to see to your ruin while you walk along each day in denial, choosing to remain comfortably ignorant of his diabolical hand in your life. What's the surest remedy against Satan and his cohorts? A personal, intimate relationship of communion with the Lord Jesus Christ and full immersion into the life of the church. That means Mass on Sundays and other holy days of obligation. It means receiving the sacrament of confession regularly. It means striving for holiness. It means hating sin. 
and it means receiving the Eucharist worthily in a state of grace. Just as the Lord Jesus healed the possessed boy in the Gospel, so too is he the answer to Satan's threats and supernatural abilities. As long as you remain one with the Lord Jesus, you already enjoy victory over every devil and all their dark, diabolical works. Vivatis in Christo.